This is the best of investing on AM 1220 KDOW, the show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown. I'm proud to have as my co-host, Mark Honf of Pacific Private Money, one of California's fastest growing mortgage investment firms, and Rob Spinoza of RPM Mortgage. Our phone number is 888-912-1190. You're going to use that number to answer the trivia questions for three vacations given away during this show. Now, those vacations are not sponsored by the radio station, but by Lighthouse Resort and Marina, located about one hour northeast of San Francisco, and in which I have have an interest in the company that manages it. Okay? Always got to make that disclaimer. Uh, the vacations are free. Their, their only request is a $100 cleaning fee to cover the housekeeping expenses. And uh, before we get into the uh, the actual show, I do have to make a quick mention here for you get we we have new uh, we have new new friends. Tan Bella. They it's a tanning salon, but get this, they have a special cutting edge equipment that can actually turn back the hands of time by removing fine lines and wrinkles using their skin-firming red light technology. I can tell you're using it, Edward. Yes. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> you knew there was something bright about that. Yeah, <laughs> They're going to need a jackhammer for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you've you got to check them out uh, at uh, tanbella.com. They have two locations in San Francisco and now one in San Rafael. Now, our special guest is Paul Kingsman, a good friend of mine. Who, thank you. They, I was proud to call you a good friend. <laughs> he uh, was the bronze medal winner in the 1988 Seoul Olympics wow. for the backstroke of the country of New Zealand. Mm. So a national hero. And i got to say national hero. The Kiwis can swim. Kiwis can swim. Because yeah, I they can't fly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, and the reason we have Paul here uh, is because uh, he's going to talk about distraction and distraction in business and well, give the audience a little bit of background as to why we're talking, you know, why are you an expert in distraction? Sure, sure. So I, uh, I trained for 13 years uh, for my event, Tournament is Backstroke. It was a two-minute event, and I won that medal by four one-hundredths of a second. When I watched wow. the video, I, I noticed there were distractions by the guy who came fourth, and it changed lives. And uh, so I talked to a lot of people about distractions. And uh, his distraction was that he... He looked. He looked. He looked, he looked twice. And if he had uh. have looked only once... He still would have come in ahead of me, but it's like any habit. Once you once you create a bad habit, you'll repeat it, and it'll cost you. And, and he and he knew better because he's in a professional, you know, quote professional. He yeah, should have known better. He should have known better. I'm but, glad he didn't know yeah. the day. <laughs> <laughs> he probably does now. Yeah. So, Paul, did you watch the Olympics? I did. I love them. Yeah, yeah. The, the swimming was great. I, I think Rio did a great job. I think it was a pleasant surprise. What was uh, what was surprising to you uh, in the uh, in the events? Well, I think with the with the swimming, it was just seeing you. It was fresh faces. Yeah, and and these Katie people, could, yeah, 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 yeah. These people could they could walk and talk. They they could do their job well in the swimming pool, but they were just neat people. Yeah, wonderful yeah, yeah. people. And um, was it Marion? Was the other one that was a surprise uh, winner? Uh, there the were one? the um, yeah, I can't recall who else. Simone. Simone. That's it. Oh, that's well, Paul, now yeah. when you, you talk about distractions and, mm-hmm. and um, in training, you, when you look back at the Olympics now, when you watch the Olympics as a spectator, 
do you kind of filter them and say, man, I know all the work those guys put in and, and you look at what it t- took to be at that level. Um, is, does that also you know, color your enjoyment of the sport? Do you appreciate it that much more because you, you can respect what they've done to get there? I, I think I do appreciate it a lot more partly because of that, but I also love this time they had a camera in the ready room. So right yes. before those athletes oh, yeah. went out, they yeah. have the camera. You yeah. can see what they're yep. going through. And you can see the the poise of the athletes, the ones who are prepared for it. They knew they were going to get to this moment. They've worked for this moment. And there, there's a point where you just got to sit back and let the event come to you. Do you, do, do you want to go uh, back into it again? Yeah. <laughs> no. You won't. Because I could go back into the event, but I couldn't go back into the swimsuit. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way I'm going to get back yeah, into that. That would be a distraction. Yeah. That, that would be a bad, bad distraction. So, Paul, you talk about you, – you speak to uh, groups in the financial services industry. Yes. Tell us a little about what, – what is, what is your message about? So I've been in the industry since – 2001 and it's a hard industry or it's a challenging industry to to succeed in uh, you have to be very focused on your objectives you've yeah. got to stay locked into a longer term goal you've got to make that relatable on a day-to-day basis so you get through those kinds of distractions uh, finding new clients uh, appropriate ways to ask for referrals and and the headlines i mean you guys know from mortgages it's, yeah. it's, it's like interest rates there's there's always different things that distract consumers out there and so it's mm. a really helping them lock on to what it is they want. Is it, isn't that amazing? We are always on to the next story. Absolutely. You, you, you can have the biggest news event in financial in the financial world, mm-hmm. and in two weeks it, it will be yesterday's news, and you'll be on to something. Well, as Mark says, right. if it bleeds, it leads. Yep, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. we have a generation now focused more on responding than thinking, where we've confused yeah, responding with thinking. Uh, and it's oh, just getting point. worse and worse. So to be heard above the noise out there, it, it takes knowing how to stay focused yourself and then knowing how to focus clients on what you're saying. So those are the kinds of things that I, I talk about. So uh, talk about uh, how client distraction is an issue for people in the financial mm. services industry. Sure. So oftentimes the headlines every day are bringing issues, bringing potential problems, bringing mm. the what-if scenarios. Fear. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's human nature to to be afraid and to think of the downside. Uh, it was like that as an advisor. You could show somebody a portfolio return and nine out of ten of the funds had performed positively. The one that got their quickest attention was the negative return and so it's understanding that's their that's their psyche so then you've got to keep them more focused on hey where are we going what's the longer term objective here Uh, it's just like that race when i was swimming as i've told people i was seventh at the first turn of a four lap race but no one's handing out medals on the fourth uh, at the first turn right so if you know somebody's thinking longer term you've got to keep them focused on that that's that's one of the reasons it's interesting you mentioned about you know focusing on the one bad part Mm. that's one of the reasons I like dealing with Mark and his fund is rather than it being you know a wild ride Mm. it's just consistent you know over 8% interest that the clients earn I mean that's that's nice yeah yeah, (laughs) it's it's, it's, it's great we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show (laughs) thank you Edward for uh, for that kind plug but uh, (laughs) certainly uh, are we yeah we're we're gonna go to a quick little break here got it Uh, before we do we do want to make a quick mention here for the um, uh, Mount View Hotel and Spa so escape to the Napa Valley and experience the art and relaxation of the Mount View Hotel and Spa in Calistoga with uh, Harvest approaching 
the Napa uh, in in Napa Valley, the Mountain View Hotel and Spa have crushed their prices. I love that they crushed their prices. <laughs> so rates yes. starting at one hundred and eighty nine dollars and available on the select dates in September and October. Call eight hundred eight one six sixty eight seventy seven or visit them online www.mountviewhotel.com. Here's our first uh, trivia question. What was a gladiator armed with in addition to a dagger and a spear? Mm. That's our question. The first caller with the correct answer wins a free three-day, two-night stay at the Lighthouse Resort. Call 888-912-1190 to answer that question. What was a gladiator armed with in addition to a dagger and a spear? All right. Stay with us. You're listening to The Best of Investing. We'll be right back. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to the Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to the Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hunt and Rob Spinoza. Uh, quick, quick, uh, quick mention, uh, by the way, uh, if you, you guys like paintball, Go on the best Heck of yeah. in, not go on the on. receiving end of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go on the best of investing website, click on paintball, and you get eighty five percent off around the country. Nice. Pretty cool. Huh. All right. So uh here was our first trivia question. What was the what was a gladiator armed with in addition to a dagger and a spear? I think Crickets. it's a net. A I net is correct. Ah, how about Very that? good. You must have been a gladiator in your uh, old age. Uh, if I was, I don't remember life. it. Which <laughs> <laughs> is probably right. a good thing. So now, Mark, you had a. You wanted to. Well, we were, we were dovetailing. We were, t- we were talking with Paul about uh, how he speaks about dis- the topic of distraction to the financial services industry. And, and I was just saying, you know, on a commercial break, that, uh, you know, Speaking of distractions, we've had a lot of distractions that have impacted the stock market on a short-term basis, but on a long-term basis, it was basically ignored. You know, for example, the most recent one being the whole Brexit uh, uh, vote yep. and, and fallout, and so we we had a big drop uh, for several days, and you know now we're you know of course hitting new highs. It's like it, and it's such a big issue, and it's an ongoing issue, and it it I guess I don't quite understand how the market reacts, and then ignores it like it never happened and it's just uh, how does how do distractions like that how do you talk to investors uh, and discuss with investors how to avoid that type of distraction in the marketplace when it comes to investing do you want to jump in uh, i think the the clients who we were talking to at that stage uh, i was actually writing a reports around that Again, it was keeping them focused on their, their longer-term objectives, yeah. um, particularly with the U.S. market. The U.S. market's buoyant right now. It's going to remain so for quite some time, especially with, with the way that. interest rates are. Um, so, again, it's keeping them focused on let's get our eyes off the small blips in the road. We had the Greece issue yep. uh, as far oh, as yeah. the sovereign debt thing went. Again, it was just it was just absorbed and People kept moving forward. We have interest rate issues. Will the Fed raise rates? Oh, they did raise rates. Oh, well, maybe they're not going to raise rates anymore. And then every time well, that's, announcement that's comes out. Well, that's this week's news. I mean, yeah. so now you've got uh, tomorrow you're going to have some comments from Yellen. and uh, Well, I shouldn't say tomorrow, right? I mean, so this week we'll have comments from Yellen. and, and But uh, you look at the, uh, the overall interest rate market, and I think a lot of the talk about interest rates you put that into context with the rest of the globe, and I don't see why an investor would, would be uh, afraid about that. We certainly see in our business, people call us and they heard, hey, I, or, you know, they'll say, hey, I heard rates are going up. The Fed's going to raise rates. 
but you just kind of learn to know better that it's going to smooth itself out in a lot of these cases and the news is not going to lead. It's going to go more back to the status quo is what we've seen with interest rates all along. Well, let's talk about another distraction in the real estate market, and that is Ooh, are we in a bubble? Yeah. Is it about to burst? Yeah, all, all, all buyer prospects right now have that concern when they come to me here in the Bay Area. I think it's certainly heightened by the fact that our, our, our prices are where they are. Um, you're starting to, and the reports are starting to reveal this, you're starting to bump up against affordability issues in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. And that's after a, a run-up of, of not an insignificant nature. So now you're running into, you know, even people that have the money they thought to buy a house are crying uncle. Um We hear that all the time. Are we in a bubble? Are we in a bubble? One of the things I like to remind folks of, kind of getting back to the distraction uh, concept, is we're not in another credit bubble. If anything, we are 180 degrees removed from that. Every loan we make these days is a fully documented loan. We have, I think, seven or eight compliance people behind every loan originator out there right now who's telling us what to do and how to do it. So I don't think we're going back down that road. And I think people tend to look at bubbles as the one they just saw. I don't see that happening. It's easy to talk about real estate prices in certain Bay Area markets as being uh, bubble-like, but when you look at the fundamentals behind it, what's going to pop? I mean, if it's a right. lack of house, lack of housing bubble, well, we're not going to have 100,000 new, new housing right. units come on board no. mm-hmm. anytime soon. In fact, it's uh, believed that we're about a million units behind in California right now, and, and when's that going to materialize? Um, if we're in a in a cost of money bubble, one might argue that once interest rates go up, uh, well, then the home values are going to go down. Problem with that is historically, it's never happened. <laughs> Everyone thinks logically that that's going to happen, but go back to where interest rates have increased after a, a setting a low. And show me where it's ever impacted negatively home sales or prices for that matter. Uh, and it's, it has not. I also want to talk about, maybe you can chime in on this too, Paul, is I, I was in all my great wisdom in 2009, <laughs> I, I invested in a two-time short, the market fund that basically mm. went, you know, that evaporated because right i believe that i was one of i was one of those guys that like oh yeah it's going to happen again you know it's it's about this this run up off of the low it's it's going to go back down everybody's saying it's going and and it's what the, i like the to the dead cat bounce the dead cat bounce yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I like to indulge that with buyers now cuz we're having this conversation frequently they come in and they'll say well what if it's a bubble okay what if it is are you prepared to buy when the pendulum swings the other way and now prices start going down? Will you be as confident about buying now mm. if the house is going in the other direction price-wise? No, you got to wait till it hits the bottom and then That's I'll right. buy. Right. <laughs> and of course, we're all great at market timing. Yeah, right? yeah. exactly. Yeah, and, and so that's the those are the, the interesting dynamics I see in play now. It's, it, what opportunities will present themselves if we come off of this run that we've essentially been on since 2012 with home prices who will step in and, 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 and will that be a buying opportunity for those that have been sidelined? Um, so I see a lot of the market right now, if there is a correction, if you want to call it that, um, I don't see that as being all bad. I think the resolute buyer still has a great opportunity to purchase in the Bay Area. Well, I love that a lot in the real estate industry, a lot of people are using the term normalization, not correction, because correction also has con- a negative connotation yeah. from our lovely stock market. So, well, But even normalization, what, what do they really mean by that? Well, they, they mean that the, the 
the run-up is slowing down because right now we're still seeing year-over-year increases in pricing Mm -hmm. in virtually every market in California. It's just that rate of appreciation is slowing down, and that has trended uh, downward for the last six months based on Case-Shiller and other indexes. Uh, But but still, uh, given that, nobody that I'm reading, and I'm, I'm... you know, pouring through dozens and dozens of blogs on a weekly basis, including economists, several of whom predicted the last bubble bursting, and nobody that I'm reading is saying that we're in for an imminent correction in real estate prices. You know, it reminds me when you were talking about the, you know, these kind of odd odd sayings that they they how they uh, they say, oh, we're going to have a surplus. And you go, really? Well, yeah, we're going to be not as negative as we were before, yeah. you know, as we thought we were going to be. Yeah. It's like, wait, that's not necessarily a surplus. Yeah. And these are the Crazy. guys that, pre- the, that predicted five out of the last two corrections. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like when I go into the store and I go, listen, when you have 120% off sale, I'm there. All right. So we're going to uh, cut to our next commercial break trivia question here. What single name is more commonly applied to Holy Roman Emperor Charles the Great? What single name is more commonly applied to Holy Roman Emperor Charles the Great? All right. Mm. Call 888-912-1190 to answer that question. And as a reminder, too, uh, Weingarten Children's um, Center is having a special masquerade party Saturday, October 29th at the Hyatt Regency in Santa Clara starting at 5 p.m. Check them out at listenspeaklearn.org. Don't touch that dial. The best of investing will be right back. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to the best of investing. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hunt and Rob Spinoza and our special guest, Paul Kingsman, who's sw- doing swimmingly here. <laughs> okay. Those jokes don't float around here. Right? <laughs> oh, man. I didn't tell Paul we were going to be very punny today. All right. Here's our second trivia question. What single name is more commonly applied to Holy Roman Emperor Charles the Great? Uh, yeah. I don't know this, uh, Ivan. Charlie, Charlie Man? Oh, Charlemagne. 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 Oh, good one. Very good. I did remember something from seventh grade history. That's right. Very good. Okay. So I was Steely Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I can never stand that group. Um, so, Mark, you know, you're on the show. You're the main co-host. What do you do for a living? Why are you here? Well, I teased the audience a little bit earlier talking about uh, uh, returns of 8%. Um, that we provide, and actually we didn't go into any detail at all. It's uh, it's the Pacific Private Money Fund right now is a is is a mortgage pool fund, and so we we've talked on the show um, from time to time about mortgage investing. It's a term that uh, Edward and I have used for years now on the Best of Investing show. Mortgage investing is something that uh, includes uh, individual mortgage note investing, which is also called trust deed investing. But it also includes uh, those companies like ours at Pacific Private Money where we have mortgage pool funds. And so the 8% reference that we made earlier is that the Pacific Private Money Fund, which we um, launched in 2013, has consistently paid out uh, just a little bit more than 8% to its uh, shareholders, and 100% of the income of that is uh, is from mortgages that we make. We don't buy and sell property. We don't make personal loans. We only make real estate-secured mortgages like you would get from a conventional mortgage broker or from your local bank. 
And we serve a, a market niche for those who need speedy, reliable financing that they can't get from their mortgage broker or their bank. We don't compete with banks. We're a plan B when the plan A, bank financing or conventional financing, uh, isn't an option. And there's a lot of situations that happen in the Bay Area every day where bank financing isn't an option. The biggest one is uh, those that are related to speed. And because we have a tight uh, uh, buyers, uh, I'm sorry, sellers market in real estate. And because cash buyers are winning out over buyers who have financing contingencies, we have a lot of clients who come to us and say, you know, I'm frustrated writing these offers, but I have to have a financing contingency of 30 days, sometimes even longer. And so we lose out to cash buyers. What's the remedy? Well, one remedy is to come to a company like Pacific Private Money and get a fast closing privately funded, sometimes also called hard money loan. We can close in five to seven business days, typically on most applications. And so that allows someone to make an aggressive offer with a quick close, maybe even no contingencies. Certainly don't need a financing contingency because we can we can tell them very, very quickly, yes, we can absolutely do that loan. We're, we're low documentation, not no documentation, but low documentation generally based on the collateral of the loan. And so, so all of those loans that we make at Pacific Private money and we're on course to make about 75 million dollars worth of loans uh, in the bay area our average loan size is uh, uh, well under a million dollars but uh, but we do make loans up to you know two or three million dollars regularly and and those loans you know the interest rates to the consumer they are high uh, they're between nine and ten percent generally and that affords us to pay out a yield to our investors whose money we use to make those loans through the Pacific Private Money Fund, uh, a rate that averages about about 8% from those mortgages. Mark, one of the things that, that you guys do in private money that I don't know if every consumer understands is you're also your own secondary market. And uh, your pool of investors provide the funding for the loans, whereas in conventional financing nowadays, um, across the board pretty much, every lender is making a loan under the assumption that that loan will be sold to an end investor that is not them. Um, and one of the reasons why that's important is because when people come to us and they get a, a residential mortgage loan, which is what we do at RPM, you know, and it's not only RPM, of course, they ask, why does it, why all the documentation? Why do I need to provide all these bank statements? Why do I need to tell them everything about my financial life? And the reason is because we may believe you and we may know you and like you and trust you, but ultimately that loan may end up in Fannie Mae's hands yep. or some other investor's hands who doesn't have any idea who you are and the documentation needs to stand on its own. That's why all the time is involved in that in that residential mortgage process, whereas you guys can come in, you can identify the deal, the key points of the deal, you can you can identify an investor that wants the deal and it's done. And that's, that's a really, really important distinction. It's a made. very important distinction. So we don't ever sell loans out of our portfolio. Right. We are a portfolio lender, meaning we hold the loan. So we have the money. We're in control of the money. We decide on the loans that we believe are fund worthy, so to speak. And we make those loans and we keep them in our fund. And the loans we make generally are short term. Almost all the loans that we make get paid off within a year, sometimes within two years. Very, very few of the loans go beyond that. Most people 
for obvious reasons. You don't want to pay 10% for money longer than you have to. It's a means to an end. It's a strategy to acquire real estate. Sometimes it's as simple as, hey, I need to borrow money to fix up this property and put it on the market to sell it. And so that's their exit strategy. But more often than not, it's a purchase loan they need from us. They need to... to uh, they need to close on the property, and so they use us as a means, uh, use our money as a means to close the property, and then as fast as they need to or can, they can refinance us out. And pretty much all of our loans have no prepayment penalty anyway, so there's no uh, there's no danger on that. So again, it's uh, so we're talking kind of you know both sides of the of the client equation here. We have our borrower clients who come to us largely through the realtor and mortgage brokerage community who send their clients to us that are in a pinch and uh, they can't help them. And so, again, we, we exist to serve the client. Uh, is the client being served? That's really one of our um, uh, kind of our mission. Uh, but we also serve our investor community, those who, um, who provide their capital to uh, and, and allow us to make loans um, on behalf of the fund. And so for more information about uh, the Pacific Private Money Fund, uh, two ways. You can obviously call us. Uh, you can call today and leave a message, uh, 415-883-2150. That's 415-883-2150. We're right here in the Bay Area. Or go to our website. Uh, the fund has its own website right now, pacificmoneyfund.com. That's Pacific Money Fund all one word, of course, dot com, for information on uh, how you can earn 8% or more. And I forgot to say this, but I always need to say this. Uh, past performance is not a promise <laughs> of future results. And you must be an accredited investor under the um, SEC and government uh, definition to invest in the fund. That's not our rule. That's the government rule. An accredited investor is someone who has a net worth, uh, minimum net worth of $1 million or more not including the equity in your primary residence. So if you qualify and you want more information, give us a buzz. We've got uh, an executive summer we can shoot out to you. Uh, also, we do monthly month-end fund meetings. So the last Wednesday of every month. And uh, when does that fall uh, this month? Uh, Edward, you got your calendar handy? I think it's the it's 31st. It's it, I think it is the 31st, yeah. yeah. So uh, August 31st at oh, 6 p.m. in downtown Novato at the offices of Pacific Private Money. We will be hosting our regular monthly um, presentation for our fund. Very, very low key. Come in, ask your questions. Uh, we've heard them all. So. Yeah. <laughs> and we enjoy meeting you. So uh, for more information, go to our website. Very good. Okay, we're going to cut to our uh, last trivia question here. And uh, when we come back, I actually do have a couple of emails oh, for boy. you rascals. <laughs> um, okay, here's, la here's the uh, last trivia question. Who was the last president of the Soviet Union? And it was not Nikita Khrushchev. The uh, first caller with the correct answer is going to win that free three-day, two-night stay at the Lighthouse Resort. Stay with us. You are listening to The Best of Investing. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Honf of Pacific Private Money and Rob Spinoza of RPM Mortgage and our favorite guest, Paul Kingsman. <laughs> you're our favorite guest. You've only been on like three times in the last six years, yeah. but you're still our favorite That's guest. good to hear. Okay. Um, so, Mark, uh, actually, before Rob, before I go into an email question for Rob, uh, 
we did have an email for you that someone had asked, which was, how often do you stay in contact with your fund investors? So great question. So we make uh, monthly distributions uh, at the Pacific Private Money Fund. A lot of mortgage pool funds do quarterly distributions with a quarterly report to shareholders. We do it monthly, so we make our monthly distributions. Or if you're a growth investor, you can allow your distributions to buy more shares. But every month you get a report of the earnings of the fund, and included with that report is a member newsletter from me, which will highlight the performance of the fund with uh, a number of uh, salient data that we provide, uh, the size of the fund, how many loans, the, the performance of the loans, and usually some market information, that, uh, uh, which I have handy since I do a lot of studying to do the radio show. So I try to keep up, uh, well, don't even try, I do keep up with uh, what's happening in the news and what's newsworthy. So I try to impart some of the um, more interesting bits and pieces of what I see happening in the real estate market. So the answer is monthly. And I think uh, our, our, share, our members certainly appreciate that. And I get a lot of uh, kind comments about our, our monthly member newsletter. Very good. And actually, I didn't realize also, I didn't answer the trivia question. Sorry about that. Oh. Who was last president of the, of the Soviet <laughs> Union. Right. <laughs> I know. I kind of walked right through that. So, one. Gorbachev. Yes, Gorbachev. That is correct. Okay, that uh, was fast. All right. Be a trick no, no trick question. Okay. Okay. All right. You yep, that? No, okay. okay, here we go. So, Rob, yes. question comes in for you. It says, is it a bad idea to have loan applications with many lenders at the same time? That's a good question. Too. It's not a bad idea. It's a uh, it's an easier said than done kind of thing, though. So uh, what I advise on that, number one, is the number one fear that consumers have when they make an inquiry with a mortgage lender is that a mortgage lender is going to pull their credit report and it's going to turn their 780 credit score into a 520. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Okay, so... That gets taken further down the road where they say, okay, well, I already went down to my local bank or I went to whatever banking institution I bank with and they, they pulled my credit so I don't want to do it again because if I have a multiple inquiry, now I go from 780 to 520. Mm. That also doesn't happen. The rule there, the FICO model recognizes consumer shopping for a mortgage a certain way and it works roughly like this. If you make a mortgage-related inquiry with a mortgage lender and he pulls your credit report or she pulls your credit report and then you go out and you do that again with another mortgage lender – Within a 45-day window, all of those inquiries count as a single one. So it does not harm your score, okay? So if you can manage the documentation, the correspondence, um, and the expectations of multiple lenders have at it, because you'll get some perspective on things that you may not get by working with a single lender. That said, um, a lot of the business that we do comes to us uh, referred. So we'll get a, re a recommendation from a real estate agent or an online recommendation. We'll send the client our way. And a lot of those people feel pretty comfortable with the trust in that relationship or that source uh, in that they'll do a single inquiry with us. Um, I never discourage price shopping, although I will say that it's difficult to do it on equal terms. So you just have to keep your wits about you when you look and shop for a mortgage. Not everything you see is deliverable. Um, the process is highly complex. There are a lot of nuances with your application that factor into your pricing. If you understand all of those, then, then it's not a bad idea to shop for a loan. And I would, like I said, never discourage that. So you know, whatever suits your needs best is probably the best way to handle it. I find that even the savviest clients have a hard time managing more than two lenders because you got a lot of information coming at you once and it's on different terms. So how do you handle the client that says, yeah, well, I just heard on the radio, right. you know, this really yeah, super low rate with no fees, you know, no cost, no nothing. 
I mean, yeah. how do you respond to those? The way I respond to it is um, certainly make an inquiry with that with that lender. Find out if you talk their language, if they respond to your calls and emails timely, if you feel that they are um, available to, to and knowledgeable and all that kind of stuff. That's the first test. And then, if it all seems like it like it measures out, uh, you make an application with them and you see if they if they hold up to it. Um, I, I don't. The general advice I give to individuals is this. If you ultimately go out and you make 10 inquiries for a, for the same home loan, and let's say everybody grades you under the same criteria, and you get 10 different quotes, you probably want to take the six in the middle rather than the two outliers on either side, high and low, okay? And if you're in that range and you keep hearing that three and a half, oh, we're three and a half at a cost of $100, we're three and a half at a cost of $400, we are three and a half at a credit of 100 Okay, you've kind of found your baseline there. Yep. It's yep. about three and a half. And then, again, what you grade and make your decision upon in terms of uh, do you like working with this person? Is he, a, you know, the, the, one of the key things with, with clients of mine that they always comment on, thank you for being available. When I reached that point where I was stressed out over the weekend and I didn't understand if I made this deposit, would it kill my loan and then my purchase and I lose my deposit and everything comes apart and our life is over. <laughs> you answered the phone and said, you know what? Don't worry about it. Go ahead and do what you planned on and doing. And thanks for not being distracted. Thanks for not being distracted. <laughs> and that's why Paul's yeah. here to help us with that. So that's my take on that. Don't, you know, don't, not against shopping, but do it, do it uh, prudently uh, and keep your, keep your wits about you. Very good. So yeah. how do people get a hold of you? Uh, great question. We are, uh, I'm with RPM uh, in Mill Valley, right off the 101 Highway, 415-367-5959 is my number. Name is Rob Spinoza. If you Google my name, I'll come up on the internet, uh, you know, on Yelp and Zillow and all those places, and my contact information's there. I'm on the Best of Investing website as well. Just click on the website, and the uh, bio's on there, too. You know, we talked a little bit about uh, bubble and affordability earlier in the show, and I just wanted to mention this uh, um, before the end of the show. There was a very interesting realty, realty track uh, report, uh, and this is for the month of June, where they listed the 10 most unaffordable counties <laughs> in the United States to live based on a percentage of the average wages required to pay okay. for rent. Okay. Now, of course, so this is a rental survey, but I'm sure right. the housing affordability uh, uh, is probably trails. I would I would say probably follows very closely. Seven of the ten counties listed, and this is nationwide, are in California. Yeah, of course. And yeah. number two, now we weren't number one. There was no number one in California. This is Kings County in New York was number one at 122 percent. That's Manhattan, isn't it? That's the per, that's yeah. the percentage yeah. of average wage required to pay rent. Marin County was number two, followed by Santa Cruz County and San Francisco County, three yeah. and four. Wow. And in there includes uh, San Luis Obispo, Napa County, Monterey County, and Sonoma County. That's a uh, Came in at oh. number 10 behind Queens, New York. So so very, uh, um, hmm, very unaffordable. Yeah. I know in Connecticut, it gets pretty expensive. There's a... Uh, um, New Canaan. That's, yes. a, that's what it's David called. David Letterman's hometown, right? Is that right? Yeah, I think he lived there. I remember yeah. looking, going there one time and, and saying, you know what? I have a little bit of time. I'm, I want to look at one of these real estate companies. I want to take a look at their flyers, <laughs> right? And I'm thinking, yeah, well, they don't know what, what Murray County is like. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, these places yeah. are like pretty comparable. Yeah. Pretty ritzy area there. All right. Uh, we have one more minute before cutting to um, another break. So. I, I wanted to ask Paul, I'm, I, you know, yeah. I'm fixated. I, I, just so you know, Paul, I was an amateur athlete triathlon. I was oh, big into the Ironman yeah. and, and, uh, swimming was never my strong suit, strong. but, but, uh, t how old were you when you were in the Olympics? 
So first Olympics was LA 1984 and oh. I was 17. Oh, man. And then uh, Seoul in 88 at 21. And and your training career lasted for how long? Like your peak training years, when did you start? And, and did that socially isolate you amongst your peers? It did. Do you, you want to take point. the store? In the, the, that's, the, the, that's, okay. that's a good, that's a good <laughs> point. So I started yeah. swimming when I was eight. I saw the Montreal 1976 Olympics when I was nine. Okay. And knew immediately that's where I wanted to go. Uh, got to the 84 Olympics as a, as a teenager, young, dumb, learned a lot, bad experience in L.A., um, but by the time Seoul came around, I'd been training for 13 years Wow! for a two-minute event. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty focused. No social life. Yeah, I would think that's the case. And, and, and I just want to say something about that. You brought that up, and I think that uh, everybody would benefit from just taking a moment and, and pausing, shutting your eyes, and thinking about your whole life, your whole career, everything you value, sitting in that prep room, like you said, mm. and, and thinking, I, I got a two-minute event coming up, and it's going to determine the course of my life. Which, yeah. we're going to cut to a break, <laughs> and in two minutes, we'll be back. So, so close your eyes now. That's right, exactly. <laughs> Stay with us. You're listening to The Best of Investing. We're going to come back with some closing comments. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Conf and Rob Spinoza. Um, Rob, you had a leading question. Yeah, we were talking about, and as much as I want to talk about swimming for the whole show, um, <laughs> Olympic swimming, uh, Mark, you were talking before about higher interest rates that, that are um, characteristic of the kind of loans you make. And Paul, you had mentioned the, uh, something earlier in the show about how you keep people focused. Uh, mm. And a big part of, of uh, you know, what you can communicate to them is about focus. What do you do, uh, what do you find is effective when you have a, a, an investor who, who is faced with taking something that may be counterintuitive, such as a higher interest rate to achieve a goal? How do you keep them focused on, on, the, on the bigger picture? <laughs> Yeah, good good question. I, I think you have to develop that trust with them. And and this is something that obviously the, with, with what you guys are involved in, you got your fingers on the pulse, and, and people have to trust uh, what they're hearing from right. you. I, I had a coach for 15 years, and I had one over when I was over here at Cal as well, and literally backstroke, you can't see where you're at. You have to trust these yeah. people that are, are seeing you, uh, know, you as, know your temperament, but know what's going on and know how you respond to that and, and bring you through those, those challenging times. Uh, one of the most challenging times for me, even being an Olympic athlete, uh, having gone to one Olympics already, was when I was up here at Cal. And when we were tapering, sometimes yeah, it takes a long skin, time. Right? Yeah, yeah, but it takes a while to get to that point. You've got to trust the coach who says, hey, you've done the work. Yeah. You've just got to let it relax and let it come out. But it's going to take time doing that. Good. That's a great analogy. But you also knew that uh, if you could do it in two minutes, mm -hmm. that that was good enough. Right. Well, the two minutes was the goal. The goal. You, you okay. never have any right. guarantee that you know seven other guys might. Okay, a minute, a minute, off in the Olympic, okay. right? A, a minute and three seconds. That's a goal. That's a guarantee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that you, you you've got a plan and and you've got to stick to that and and if the plan's sensible, emotions can't be allowed to factor into the point where they derail you. Yeah. Right. And uh, that's what we're struggling with with our, many in our culture right now. The headlines come in and they just people lose sight. And Rob, you mentioned trust. And so, you know, since a lot of the clients end up at our doorstep through either a realtor or a mortgage broker, it's really incumbent upon the, the borrower, the client, to trust their mortgage broker yeah. that they're doing the right thing, that they're not steering them into some predatory loan that's going to get them in trouble. And, and look, the, the hard money lending, lending industry has what 
was from decades ago a, a well-deserved, unsavory yeah. reputation. But companies like Pacific Private Money now, um, I believe, uh, and, and we're new since, uh, since the market correction in 2008. Uh, uh, our company came about as a result of the inability of real estate investors to get financing to buy, fix, and flip real estate. So the industry that exists today uh, in private lending or hard money lending, if you want to use the, uh, the dated term for it, uh, really doesn't exist the way it did 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's a new industry, and it's new in in that it was really born out of a need for financing for the fix and flippers. And then in the wake of Dodd-Frank, what's yeah. happened in the last couple of years is it's gotten more and more and more difficult for people to get conventional financing. And even if you have a great relationship with your banker or your mortgage broker, they just they can't accommodate a super fast turnaround. And so we, you well, know, that's and, one of the things you you don't leave people at the altar. Well, and, that, and, that, and that's just it. So so again, it's uh, you know it, when you deal with our company, and I can't speak for other private loan originators in the Bay Area or in California, but we you know not only are we fast and reliable, but we're friendly. And the friendly part makes it a lot easier. And that's something that we also were not known for before that you're. Your, your local hard money yeah. lending guy was had a typically was was you know was pretty rude about the whole transaction. Yeah. So so anyway, it's a it's a means to an end. And and again, uh, you know, for more information about how you might be able to um, use a, a private private money loan to execute your real estate strategy, just check out our website at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Well, I want to thank uh, Mark Hahn from Rob Spinoza yet again for joining us, and of course my good friend Paul Kingsman. Always a pleasure to Absolutely. have you on. Uh, the best of investing and teaching us about distraction. <laughs> So I'm not going to get distracted while I say this. Huh? No. Uh, <laughs> thoughts for the day. Don't trust everything you see. Even salt looks like sugar. You don't want to make that mistake. <laughs> and from good things, I learned to be thankful. From bad things, I learned to be a strong person. Mm-hmm. Well, but Paul could relate to that one, too. All right. All right. Tune in next week to The Best of Investing. Why? Because we're going to be giving away more free vacations for answering trivia questions. And I believe Catherine Harris, CPA, will be joining us. So uh, you'll want to listen to uh, what she has to say as a CPA. Tune in. Tune in. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown. We're wishing you the best of investing. You've been listening to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for the best of investing on the Bay Area's business leader, AM 1220 KDLW. Opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.